Hey guys, welcome to Insight Labs. Me and Mark have made this channel with the intention of developing an audience where we can talk about opportunities on the market, both domestically and internationally. It's our first time to so be easy on us, um, but I think that in return, we are gonna show you opportunities that we're looking at. We've got a pretty good criteria of how we shortlist companies that we wanna share with you. And in turn, we want you to be encouraged, inspired by that, and also to share with us opportunities that you're seeing to help us uh, in terms with our goals. Yeah, for sure. So I think uh, we've posted a couple of different pieces of content uh, in terms of short form and uh, through our conversations, we really wanted to focus on, uh, I guess, this format, YouTube, like the longer format, uh, because I felt like we weren't able to share some of the insights and stuff uh, about the markets Um you know, in the in the short form format. So this, uh, you know, off camera, you should see how, how often we, we actually speak about the markets and we're trying to condense that into one minute clips. It it just doesn't sort of do it justice. I think there's a place for it. Um, but, you know, look, we're, we're kind of doing this podcast for the first time, spending a lot of time trying to get the right setup and, you know, thinking about the background not being perfect and, we did it on the couch and then we did it on the table. I know how that sounds wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, look, it, it is what it is. We, uh, but this is what you're getting, right? And I think that hopefully you guys can see past the background and all this other stuff and listen to what we're saying. Uh, I think that well, we hope to deliver a lot of value to you guys on how we look at a business and conduct our fundamental analysis. A lot of it is, you know, we, we've read a lot of books. We've been uh, on the markets collectively for over 10 years. We've made all the mistakes you're about to make or have made. Um, we, we have grown a lot. You know, we have been in some really, really successful companies. We've also had some epic failures. And I think we're at the point where, you know, we're quite comfortable. Our win rate's going up. We think we've got some uh, pretty good opportunities that we'd like to share with you. We've got a pretty good process in place. And we've enforced disciplines on ourselves that has bettered us and we can't wait to share that with you and hopefully you know as a you know as a reward for putting up with our uh production and and our and me being a stuttering idiot uh hopefully there is something that you kind of get out of that and hopefully you can see it for what it is yeah for sure so i think like a bit of a, a bit of an introduction to us um uh, as as brendan said we've both been uh, looking at markets probably for you know 20 years combined um, and we sort of fumbled our way through it initially just kind of being interested in businesses trying to make money and making mistakes and learning along the way uh, in terms of uh, this podcast itself I thought it was actually a really good idea for me and Brendan to get together and share with you guys our insights particularly I think having Brendan uh as a as a co-host or having other people on the podcast um, we complement each other really well because i have always leaned towards looking at tech companies and specifically the u.s market and i haven't really been following the australian domestic market as much and i think that's where brendan really thrives um, another contrast is i'm really interested in uh, the macroeconomics and with everything going on with COVID and with inflation and the banks crashing and all that so, sort of stuff, I'm you know super interested and almost obsessed with that stuff. And then I can see Brendan's got the equal obsession when it comes to looking at you know 
these more hidden gems that people might see as like speculative or risky and they are but if you do the if you do the research and you look into um, and have a process you can filter um, the good from the bad and you can increase your chances of winning so i think that's probably a good segue into you know maybe you can talk to us about your process and how do you for the audience like how do you swing things in your favor so you can get more wins and have less you know bottom bottom shelf stocks that you end up that go to zero <laughs> all right well to start off you know i'm more of a fundamental trader than a technical so for those that you don't know technical analysis is based on chart you know you're looking at the price action i find that to be important but i do have the you know and i do make the assumption that when big trend changes happen and there's more momentum in the price it's generally due to a fundamental reason and i think by looking at the fundamentals you can kind of really break down uh, the business it builds your acumen and also you know it kind of gives you a roadmap of the business and i like to trade on news catalysts so the first thing that i would look at um, stock screeners so i want to chase momentum in the market that's where I look at first. So I want to see what's performing and then I want to look into it a little bit further to justify whether that move makes sense to me. The first thing I would look at is obviously the valuation of the company, shares on issue, the board of directors. I want to look at, you know, if the board of directors actually hold shares themselves. So I want to align my financial incentives with the board of directors. I want to see who's in their top 20 uh, shareholder registry, how much equity they hold. If they hold too much equity in the business, I'm a little bit reluctant because they're more than likely gonna divest on any big price move. And I think that that's something to really consider. You know, moving forward from that, obviously I'm gonna look at interviews with the CEO and the managing director to see if they're aware of the competitive landscape, if they can deliver the message, you know, because these are the people that are actually gonna raise capital down the line. You know, they're, they're the front runner of the business and they're the front, front end of it. If they can't communicate a, a really good message, talk about the key point of difference, the strategic advantage on the markets, and they, they can't communicate, well, they have to be better communicators than me, obviously. But um, yeah, that's what I'm, what I'm looking for. Then I wanna look into the company's quarterly cash flow statement. So there's a few things that you can kind of take out of that. So the cost structure to see if it makes sense, to see, you know, if they're talking about an aggressive expansion, or you know, innovative uh, innovations around their product pipeline. That's got to be reflected in the cost structure. So you want to see money being put in research and development, in marketing, not just you know inflated staff costs, because uh, I think that that's a big trap. I want to look at the financial runway of the business, their net cash position, and I want to estimate their monthly burn rate uh, before I even go ahead, because I want to make sure that I'm not at risk of getting diluted via capital raise. So I think that's a really good starting point to break it down. Obviously, where I find myself spending most of my time is in disruptions and innovative products. You know, there's a few uh, that I've scoped recently that I'm really, really excited about. Um, and then from, th from that, so once we look at the, we have a good financial understanding of the business, we're impressed with the board of directors, we like what sector it's in, Obviously, it's a momentum company anyway, so the price has already been constructive because that's why we're there in the first place. Then from that, I use a risk model that I created. So I look at, because there's a lot of things to consider on the fundamental side of the business, and I found it very hard to structure something. However, over the time, I look at things in terms of risk. 
So operational risk, executional risk, financial risk, competitive risk, when applied clinical risk, sovereign risk, political risk. These are all factors to consider. And I find that when I'm breaking down um, the fundamentals of the business and really reading up to it and thinking a little bit outside the box with it, I can more than, more than likely put every kind of factor within that risk model. And I think that's a really, really good way to assess what you're dealing with. Um, and then from that, you know, if, if it ticks all the boxes, you can shortlist it and then you can worry about the technical analysis and, and timing your trade and, and more of a trade execution. So that's, that's where I would start. Yeah, I think uh, so from uh, Brendan sort of covering his focus on fundamental analysis, you can see that you can go much further than looking at a business and going, hey, I, I would, you know, I can see a, a demand for, for that business and it's got a moat. There's so many other things that you can look at. Look at. So there's a ton of factors that, that Brendan just talked about. Um, he's got a process for looking at uh, the fundamental side. He's got a process for looking at the risk. He's got a process for looking at you know all the financials and whether they line up. And I guess like I'll, when when you were speaking, I was thinking you know a lot of these things that you're looking at, like specifically the numbers, right? If you look at different companies, you can compare the same numbers, so you know you're sort of um, comparing the same metrics, whether you're putting importance on uh, accounts receivable or their investments um, in R&D and, and so on. So I think that's that's super fascinating. Um, in contrast, my strategy is, um, you know, I'm not proud to admit it, but I, I sort of just close my eyes and then like, you know, scan, scan the markets <laughs> and I just buy the first thing I see. No, I don't really. Um, but on, on, a, on a serious note, I, I tend to... Um, I tend to look at, I tend to look at, similar to Brendan, I'll look for disruptive companies that are generally in the tech space. And I think while they have, and, and the argument for not investing in them is they're, you know, like very overvalued um, and their PE ratios are generally like very, very high. Um, having said that, sometimes when a business is growing and it's growing very quickly and it's got a strong moat, that PE ratio is sometimes justified because you can say that, yes, you know, like Google, Facebook, Apple are at ridiculous valuations, but we've also never seen companies this big or providing that much value, mm. you know, since the stock market's been open. So mm. that's an argument for that side. Uh, and then I combine companies that I like and are the market leaders. So instead of going, you know, looking at, chip makers and going there's nvidia amd i'm going to choose amd because nvidia is already run i'll choose the market leader because i think only if i think that the market leader will continue to be the market leader so why would you bet on something that's weaker just because the price is cheaper yeah and then that's a very that's a really really good point a lot of people when they get into it and i know i was like this uh, until a couple of years ago, in fact, when I really kind of um, took things a little bit more serious and had a, adopted a more professional mindset, you want to be proactive on the markets and not reactive to price. A lot of people are like, oh, this company is really, really good because it's up 30%. But then you look at the company's financials and they've got a financial runway of less than fucking four months, right? That, that's, that's a really, really big mistake, right? Because you know a capital raise is obviously coming. 
you know, the ramp of the business. So when you talked about receivables, you know, that's really, really important. Obviously, you want to open the balance sheet, look at the cash assets over the last three years, and you want to look at the accounts receivable as well. You know, if that's a down ramp. I mean, there's a company that I was speaking, I'm not going to talk about the name of it because I don't know if we can get to trouble for it. <laughs> but, you know, there was a particular company that we were talking about and one of my friends was saying, oh, this company's awesome because it came up on our uh, stock screen of Momentum. So it had a breakout. I think it was like 17% up. He was saying, man, this is a fantastic business. Looks promising. Looks really, really promising. And we looked at the financials. It had a current ratio of uh, 0.20 which means that the liabilities outweigh their assets by five times. So they can't even pay back uh, any debt, you know, and they don't have any liquidity. The second thing was the ramp. And I mean, it made 6 million two years ago, uh, or sorry, three years ago. And then the year after 2.4 million. And then last year made 341,000. So that's a, that's a definitely a ramp, but it's fucking down, <laughs> right? So, I mean, don't follow price just purely on price. You know what I mean? I think that that's a really big mistake that I know that I've made multiple times in my life, but it's it's probably one of the more valuable lessons. Look, think, look at things more fundamentally as opposed to technically, because generally the big changes in momentum and trend are you know, generally because of a fundamental reason. I think that there's an advantage in doing that. Also, you can get a good idea of uh, the roadmap of the business. You know, just by looking at you, I, I was amazed. Some of the best investments that I've made, I've looked at the CEO talk on like proactive investors and some channels, and there's been absolutely no viewers. There's been like 500 viewers, but there's absolutely some really gold nuggets you can take away, and they can tell you what to expect moving forward. You can set alerts for it. So if they say, you know, by the end of Q2, we're expecting a feasibility study result or a mineral resource estimate, you know, for the mining companies, time that. You know, remember that, prioritize it, because when the time comes, if it's fundamentally strong and it's, ex it's got a pretty exciting story and there's a material announcement scheduled, that might be the time to kind of execute one of the shorter term trades. And that's not based on price, that's based on the fundamentals and uh, knowing what's ahead. Yeah, that's a, it's a really great point, Brennan. And I think, uh, you know, the criteria is Yes, you want to buy a great company where all the fundamentals line up and most of the boxes are ticked, if, if not all of the boxes. Yeah. And then price just allows you to get something at, you know, at a discounted price if you see that it's, you know, maybe had a, had a you know, in, like, a, like a lot of buy pressure recently. Yeah. So it's a little bit like when you go out and you're going to buy your Nikes or your Adidas or in America, Adidas. Um, and you know you like these pair of shoes and they rarely go on sale. But when they're on sale, you'll buy a pair um, because you're trying to look to get it at a, at a better price. But also, um, people often talk about margin of error. So if you get something at a discounted price and you time the entry a little bit better, then you increase your margin of safety. But, you know, like timing the market is often... Uh, a losing game there's people who are like better at you and especially when you're investing in smaller market caps small uh, one buyer who takes on a large position can easily move the market so you're basically betting on when this whale or when this large investor is going to hit that green button and you know that's not a game you want to play because you don't have an edge there yeah. but you can look at where there's areas of support or 
you can have a good you can have a good sense of whether something's a little bit overstretched based on you know the, like the previous history in the in the technical um, analysis side of things. Yeah, and I think um, me and Mark were speaking about this before about you know there's five things that are going to happen when you're trading, right? You're going to win big, win small, break even, lose small, or lose big, right? And a lot of the time, you know, there are a lot of people that have lost a lot of money. I know that I did when I started out. But, you know, if you eliminate that by having a good risk management system, rather setting your stop losses or having the discipline to, if you're chasing momentum and momentum's not there, I'll take the loss. Yeah. Do you mean, I'll, I'll happily sell at a 10% loss because I'll chase something that's going to run more, right? But having that discipline, you're, you've already eliminated the hardest part. Now, there's four things that are going to happen. Right, you're not going to lose big anymore because you've got this. You've enforced these disciplines on yourself, and you've got a pretty good risk management system. So you're going to lose small, break even, win small, or win big, and that's kind of what you know. I think is super important, you know, for any trader. You know, have the disciplines. If you're chasing momentum and momentum is not there, pull the pin. Do you know what I mean? Or when you're doing a technical analysis and you're looking at a volatility contraction pattern, or you know, you're looking at you know if something's in the accumulation, it's still technically an uptrend and volume dries up. You're waiting for a new uh, news catalyst to come out. You're anticipating it. Volume's low, but it's still technically an uptrend. That's that. That's 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 where you really want to be, especially if the financials check out. A lot of the time, a lot of the businesses don't tick all the boxes. There have been a few, and they've and we've done quite well on them. But you know, not all of them do. Sometimes it's a it's a it's a pro and con act, right? Like pros and cons, and you kind of got to balance that up and then and uh, grade your own trade. Yeah, I've, I've never never heard of it put that way, so I find it like really interesting. And I think it kind of builds on that adage of, you know, let your winners run and cut your losses early. Absolutely. So, One million percent. If you're a short-term trader, that's the aim of the game. Hmm. You know, if you're an investor, that's, that's different. You're just looking at the overall valuation of the business and how that business can grow. You want to see if it's, you know, innovating, because I mean, I, I'm under the belief that a business is kind of like a living organism. You know, if it's not constantly disrupting itself and growing, it's going to get disrupted, Yeah. right? Um, and, that, and that's kind of what I want to see. For even some of the larger businesses, I mean, we talked about Blockbuster, you know, Kodak, Kodak you know, they, 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 these companies had, had the market and failed to innovate around it. And, you know, they talk about that in business school um, and, and it's a good case study you know, for business, but yeah. For... In hindsight, it looks uh, looks really obvious that these things were coming and some people even predicted it, but, you know, for these businesses, it's rarely obvious, I think, at the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, they can kind of sit back and, you know, just enjoy, you know, being top of the ladder, but, you know, if they're not innovating, somebody else is. Yeah. So with... Um, and one thing that I also want to touch on in terms of news catalysts that can really, really drive the market, and we've seen the examples of this over the last few months, policy reform. I mean, this has always been the yeah, case. Poli policy reform is the best type of catalyst. It can really, really drive businesses. I mean, in 2019, Indonesia, who has the biggest reserve, reserves of nickel, and they're the biggest produ yeah, producer, and they've got the biggest reserves of nickel, banned exports. Do you know what I mean? And all that institutional money moved to our domestic market and nickel, and we saw nickel companies really, really benefit from that. You know, one of the earlier um, investments that I ever made was in A2 Milk, 
And that was in 2015 when China... Was that your, was that your first investment? Uh, I think really, I think Village Roadshow was my, was my first we'll, we'll investment. Come, we'll come back and then that. I had Colin, Colin Foods for KFC. So when so, I ate KFCs, I was making money. So, Do you know what I mean? So, Supporting. So we'll come back to your story on, on, on Village and, and, yeah, and yeah, on yeah. that. Yeah. But yeah, sorry, you were saying A2 Milk? A2 Milk was one of the first investments. So yeah. like in the same time, because I just went on a buying spree with everything. But A2 Milk, um, I got into that because China abolished their one-child policy. Yeah. And because they were so reliant on the baby formula coming from Australia, so they're pretty de- they were pretty dependent on us for dairy uh, due to contamination reasons and whatnot. Let's, let's spell that out for a second. So what did, uh, what did China abolishing the one-child policy actually mean? So It meant it opened up a, a larger market, significant larger market. More to more, ba- yeah, more babies, more, babies, more baby formula, population. you know, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, more baby products, you know, and I think that was a, a direct beneficiary uh, from that. But that showed me earlier on that policy form. I mean, we've seen the same. Well, well, I didn't obviously don't have access to the Saudi Arabian markets, but when they allowed women drivers, you know, all the automotive companies in Saudi Arabia, their share prices rocketed, you know, based on that, and and they, they were really really excited. You know, recently um, there's been a company that I've been looking into that's a benef- beneficiary of a policy reform that happened in August 2022. Yeah, tell us more about that. Um, well, that actually had, uh, so Joe Biden, he re- organized something called the PACT Act. Mm. And it was for veterans that had been overseas that had been exposed to burn pits. Yeah. So uh, toxins in the air, they've come back and they need to kind of like, you know, check their health, you know, their respiratory um like their fun- uh, respiratory functions and to see if they're in good health, lung health. You know, the company that I've been looking into recently that has been absolutely driving and it's been one of the bigger momentum companies over the last two months is a company called 4D Medical. Yeah. And that's been a direct uh, beneficiary you, of that. You get excited about this. Oh, man. Well, well, that, that company does tick all the boxes, yeah. right? And I haven't seen a company do that for quite a while. Full, I, I constantly... Full, full disclaimer. Yeah, full 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 disclaimer. I own shares in 4D. Uh, not financial advice. Not financial advice, but you know, if you look at the fundamentals, I mean, 67% uh, revenue increase in just a quarter. You know, 396% revenue increase over the year. You know, the board the board of directors are really really impressive. The CEO is the biggest equity holder within the business. He uh, studied mechanical uh, aerospace engineering at Monash University in Melbourne. He's also the inventor. He specialized in liquid and gas flows. So without getting caught up in the details, honestly, the reason why I find it really, really interesting is because it's classified as a disruption. It's innovating on a space that hasn't been innovative, innovated on in five decades. Um, and it's just a superior product. It's a software business, so it's completely scalable. I like their implementation strategy through clinical trials and pilot programs at the hospital. Financials definitely line up. I like that the board of directors, um, you know, have the same financial incentive as I do. But more importantly, you know, it's going to better people's lives. I mean, it's a $30 billion market for lung scans in the world. And right now you've got spirometry. So you blow into, you know, a tube and it tells you how much air you've got in your lung and it kind of measures your lung capacity. And you've got CT scans, you know, which people try to avoid because of the radiation. But that's a static image, right? 4D medical has encompassed both of them, and it's a live video of you actually your lungs actually operating. Mm-hmm. 
right? And they've, and they've extended their product pipeline to include the LT uh, Civas, I think it is. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, it's a really, really interesting product. And I think that it's really de-risked by its nature being in a software business. They're not worrying about manufacturing and the logistical problems that that has. Focusing on software makes it completely scalable. They've got a 90% gross margin on their profit. Um, and also, and, and this is the real key for me, when I was looking at the executional risk, this company and its technology can be r- rolled out quite easily because the infrastructure is already there. Yeah, the hospitals already have the equipment that they need to, to use this product. So the infrastructure is already built. They just kind of need to, to adopt it. We've seen recent announcements with a deal with University of Miami, and we've also seen um, them be rolled or start to be rolled out within the veteran affairs clinics within the US that has 171 clinics. Hopefully over the next two years, we can get there. But I, I see the valuation is, is laughable at the moment. 200, I think it's 232 million, I think it is. Yeah. But I, I see that as a potentially multi-billion dollar revenue business uh, moving forward, just based on the market size and the disruptive nature of their products. Yeah, I think I think it's a fantastic opportunity. It's probably one of our uh, probably you know most uh, most interesting uh, opportunities that we found recently. Uh, we'll create a separate uh, podcast where yeah, we, yeah, we where we go into to a deep dive. We'll bring up the screen and share some of the stuff that we're looking at and like run you through uh, a bit more detail into all the aspects that Brennan has looked into. Um, but I think what I'd like to leave you guys with is uh, maybe we'll wrap up the segment with uh, what was like, maybe we'll go, we'll go one each, but what was one uh, lesson you felt like you've learned from your early days? Like what's something uh, traders or investors you feel like make a mistake or, or something that you made in the early days that you feel like um, has been a lesson for you? Didn't look at the company's financials straight up. I just, and as I said, I was so caught up on the price. Oh, there's a resistance, there's a support. Not knowing this company has no money and any big change, even if I was right, it was followed by a capital raise and I got diluted immediately. So even if I did make the 20%, yeah. I didn't get out quick enough. Next day, capital raise, boom, yeah. done. You know, now, now you're at a loss and, 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 you know, it took me, I'm, I'm ashamed to say, but it took me a long time to really uh, focus on a process that um, I can stick to. And yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a big part of it. But that's my number one mistake and that's my number one warning to everybody else. Don't do that. Look yeah. at the financial. That, that's, I reckon that's a great lesson. So uh, financials is somewhere that you can start right off the bat if you aren't even uh if you're looking to make your first trade or you've been thinking a lot about making trades start with the financials have a look at yeah. it yeah 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 one 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 million percent look at the company's 4c so appendix 4c which is the quarterly cash flow statement um it's a consolidated version of the balance sheet income statement and yeah the cash flow obviously in the us it's reported a little bit differently yeah look so yeah, just look at the financials. That's 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 the lesson. And I think my my lesson is uh, it's good to follow market trends. So like for example, you would have seen you know like uh, Brendan mentioned the one one child policy, uh, but also you can see things coming like when people talked about lithium and how that was going to be a growing commodity with renewable cars and the world moving from you know like looking to reduce 
global emissions and moving towards something more sustainable. Uh, I was right. So even though when I was first starting, I was, uh, I was, I had the right thesis and I found the information. I had the conviction. Where I went wrong was instead of going after some of the you know top lithium companies where a trend is new, I went after speculative ones like tiny ones. Um, where I feel like when something is brand new, you can be you can go after the the, the largest company and still make money. It's only when you're in something that's starting to mature at the tail end of its cycle mm. that you need to find the small caps because you know most of the growth of the big caps uh, are already done. Companies like Apple to go from tr- two trillion to four trillion, yeah, doubling in price, it's hard, right? Yeah. So anyway, um, we might wrap it up there, but hopefully you guys got something out of it. Where you know what you see on camera is what you get. Um, this is how we talk you know behind camera it is what it is you know, gotta deal you gotta deal with it but hopefully yeah, as, as mark said hopefully you got something out of it and you know grow with us so you know we're gonna do a lot more of these podcasts and hopefully we get better um where, and yeah grow with us where where do you think uh, where should the audience uh, where can the audience expect to find content from us okay so we've got a channel called inside slab we've got a youtube channel we're going to be on all social media and you can find us on there please feel free to ask us any questions and have your input you know let's make a community and let's look at the opportunities together yeah. moving forward uh you'll you'll learn more about it same same handle on tiktok same handle on instagram uh if you enjoy this video like it subscribe it share it with a friend we're looking to grow and look forward to seeing you guys on the next one see you later